We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Gold, and I'm joined today by Michael J. Focci. Focci, the Pacers have won four of their last five games, taking down the New Orleans Pelicans Monday night. My goodness, Focci, who would have saw this come? I can't tell you I would have because I didn't, and I don't think anybody did. The boys right now are sizzling. They're riding a winning streak into Wednesday when you and I will be in the building. Man, last night against the Pelicans was a lot of fun. It it certainly was, and I think we need to just quickly give a shout-out here to Miles Turner. What a fantastic performance, Flatchy. We are probably going to see more of this from Turner as he's in a contract year, as he is playing with more confidence than he ever has. But, you know, I said at the beginning of the year, I think he's going to average a double-double. I really felt that. I said 16-10 and 10 was what I gave him, Flashy. Well, he had 37 points and 12 rebounds last night and got his 1,000th career block in the NBA, uh, blocking Zion Williamson trying to dunk on him. So overall, I mean, this entire game was highlighted by the fantastic play of Miles Turner. Turner looked unbelievable last night. Truly, in my opinion, I think this was the best game of his career. I know I people are going to say. I completely agree. Greatest exactly. game of his career. People are going to say, what about 40 against Washington? Guys, remember, it was in a loss. Yeah. It was a loss. And that game went to overtime. So this was in regulation, in a win. I mean, top to bottom, the, the scoring. Scoring inside, scoring outside. Blocking shots, rebounding. It, he he did it all. He looked aggressive. And I just felt like when Miles got the ball, he was looking to score, not hesitating, not thinking about it too much, just making it happen. And it was awesome to see. 
11-11 from the free throw line, 11 of 18 overall from the field, 4-7 from three. Everything he did last night screams greatness, right? Like that's he had a great game last night. You can't say anything about it. Is it sustainable? We've seen over his career. Probably not, but I think you can start to see more of an uh, uptick in maybe his shot attempts and that kind of thing, his confidence. Like he led the team in shot attempts last night, which I can't remember the last time that's happened with Miles. Uh, but you talked about it. One thing that they were doing terrific was running that pick and roll late in the game, and he was just punishing the Pelicans for switching on him. He was taking advantage of every small defender and getting right down to the paint where he wanted it and putting the ball up with confidence, no hesitancy, and getting the ball in the hoop, Flachi. So, uh, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, I think he said it in the post-game press conference, he was trying to get Miles to 40 points. Well, he was very close. He got in the 37. Turner only had one turnover as well. So, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where the starters all together looked fantastic, but Miles led the way. And, you know, I think we got to give a quick shout-out here, too, to the rookie who got his first start, Andrew Nimhart. 15 points, five assists, was once again just – Really solid as a starter, as a player on this team. He logged 34 minutes last night. I thought that was really impressive. It really was. I mean, Nemhard, I know he had a couple of turnovers, but from a scoring standpoint, he looked awesome last night. I mean, 15 points. He had the five assists, six of 11 shooting, three of four from three. I mean, Nemhard didn't look like a guy making his first career start. It looked like he belonged. This is someone coming in the year. We didn't even know what his role would be. We were like, ah, maybe they carve out a couple minutes from here. Maybe it's more towards the back of the year. No, I tweeted out, but Nemhard needs to be an every game rotational guy. And I'm not talking about certain nights where he plays six minutes. No, he needs to have a consistent role here. And remember, Alex, in the opener, he didn't log a second. So it, it shows that his role, the confidence that the coaching staff has in him, it's grown. And right now, I feel like this is someone who, you know, he's he's much better than we thought. And the fact that that's happened with Benedict Matherin as well, that's happened last year with you know, Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. It shows that this front office, Rick Carlisle, they've identified real good talent. And so far, everyone's been paying off. Yeah, I mean, you can't say enough good things about what Nimhart has done this season. And I always go back to our interview with him where he was openly uh, saying he would play in the G League if he was not getting adequate playing time and they wanted him to go down there to develop. Like, this is a guy that is all in on trying to prove that he belongs and he is willing to do whatever it takes. And they're asking him to play different roles and he's doing a great job at that. I thought they might go a little bit bigger with Mather and maybe even O'Shea Brissett in the starting lineup last night just because, you know, the Pelicans do have some length on them with that front lineup of. Zion, Valanchunas, and B.I., Brandon Ingram. So, you know, that to me is like, wow, okay, they 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 made some interesting changes. They started Jalen Smith on JV, put Miles on Zion to start things out, had Buddy Heald guarding Brandon Ingram. So, yes, they were playing a different style of, uh, of basketball than we probably have seen from this Pacers team before. Undersized, but their hearts played, uh, they outplayed the, the Pelicans by just having more heart and more effort throughout the entirety of that 48-minute game. But Fachi, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Joining us next will be the one and only Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files, and we're going to talk all things off-court, on-court. What are you seeing from this team as we've reached 10 games? And, you know, maybe do the Pacers keep Miles Turner, Buddy Hill, that kind of thing? We're going to ask him all those questions right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Joining us now on Setting the Pace, he's no stranger to the show. He's a good friend of ours. It's the one and only Scott Agnes. Scott, thanks so much for coming back on, man. How you doing? Yeah, good to talk with you guys once again. Five and five start. I'm not sure any of us predicted that, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. I mean, this has been a wild ride. The Pacers have won four of their last five games. After the first week, you thought, oh, this is going to be a long season. And then, <laughs> wow, oh, wow, they've, they've pulled some out of their butt that I didn't think they would do. So let's just kind of talk about the 10 game mark here, I guess we can say, you know, it's kind of wild that we've already played 10 games for this regular season. But what have been your overall thoughts just on this team in general? Yeah, I think starting kind of with Monday's game against New Orleans, I thought you could kind of start to see the big picture, start to see individual chemistry uh, with units, with players, with newcomers, with you know Jalen Smith and his role and Miles Turner asserting himself. I don't care about his point total. The way he played, and this is what I'm writing right now, was one of the best games I've ever seen him play. He was engaged. He was uh, locked in. You know, he was he was under control and in control at both ends of the floor. So I really like that. Um, Tyrese Halliburton doing exactly what I figured he would do, 20 and 10 and being a leader. Love the back and forth that he's had with um, Buddy Heald, who calls Tyrese his little brother. Uh, there was a couple good moments from the New Orleans game that stand out with those two uh, going back and forth. Matherin clearly is out um, outperformed, I think, even what we could have predicted to this point. Um, and then I would say the only other surprise based on last year is how the end of bench has gone and how right now there's really not a role for Terry Taylor, O'Shea Brissett, and to an extent, Goga. No, I think that's a great point. Last night, what we really saw was, and we've seen some tinkering with lineups throughout the season so far, but last night we saw more of a condensed lineup, essentially eight players. Terry Taylor ended up playing you know, six minutes, but everybody else played at least 17. Do you think that's going to benefit the Pacers more moving forward with everybody getting more of that 17 to 30 minute role instead of a couple guys getting, you know, 11 minutes here, eight minutes there, anything like that? I think ideally uh, the, the starters minutes are down. Um, you can praise the starting lineup like the Pacers and social has so much. But that's not what the Pacers were banking on. That's not what they were planning to do. They weren't trying to play Miles Turner 37 minutes or Buddy Heald 37 minutes and those sorts of things. I think that was kind of a read and a feel for the game, and they had this lead, and they wanted to maintain it, and that's something they did very well, too. Um, they got up, what, 16, I want to say, late third, early fourth. And it, while the game was felt tight, it was never in doubt or never really threatened. 
Um, so I, I think guys in a perfect world, you're able to bring miles minutes down to 30, 32. You're able to bring Tyrese down to about that buddy as well. Um, and then get a little bit more for some of your bench. Remember before the season, Rick was talking about playing, hitting his words, 10, 11 and 12 guys. And I think 11 and 12 can be difficult, but I think realistically, if you can play that 10 or 11, that would be a sweet spot for this team. But then again, we're, they're at a diff, very different spot than we thought they would be, you know, that than we all expected two or three weeks ago. So they're learning on the fly and adapting on the fly. And I thought I thought that's a good point. How yeah, they, they only played about eight guys last night. I'm curious if that will continue because I don't think it can or will. Yeah, I mean it's pretty early in the season, and we we've, we've talked about it. Like everybody said, I thought this team was trying to tank. Well, you know, I don't I don't necessarily think tanking is what players and coaches are going to do. And if you're trying to think you don't play a guy like Miles Turner, 38 minutes in a game, right? So you're trying to win that game. You're trying to establish a culture here. But after last night's win and the way the Pacers have been playing, a lot of fans are excited about the direction of this team. So I'm curious your thoughts, Scott. Is it out of the realm of possibilities that we see Miles Turner possibly extended? Or do you still think that his days are numbered here in Indiana? I think right now it's it's still inconclusive and I say that because he wants to get to free agency. And so I don't I don't think there would be any kind of extension um in the works just like there wasn't with Victor. The Pacers never from what I was told never formally offered Victor one and he never formally declined anything. You know, people put out the, you know the numbers of yeah, he turned down 80 million or anything like that. Both sides understood the goal was to become an unrestricted free agent for the first time. That's Miles's goal. He wants to explore his options, it sounds like. He wants to see you know, what it could look like playing on a winning team and that sort of thing. Now, yes, the Pacers are having some success right now. It's, it's questionable if it can continue at this rate. I don't expect for them to have a 500 record this season. Um, I still think it's more likely than not that he is not back, just considering the Pacers' circumstances and his considerations. Um, because of where they're at. But the other thing you're seeing right now, guys, is there's no trades that happen in November, right? Like mm -hmm. you got to get to at least December 15th and then usually you get to the end of December and January. So whether it's him or other guys on this team or elsewhere, it's not like you're calling around making deals at this time of the year anyway. You know, I think that's a great point. This is a, a great time to figure out, you know, what this team could become because you don't want to hit that emergency button, make a trade right now. I know if you're the Lakers, maybe you're saying something different. But for right now, <laughs> we knew coming into this season, defense was going to be a major question. But the offense, it looked like it could be very promising. Right now, through 10 games, fourth in the NBA in scoring, just over 117 points per game, second in threes made and attempted Scott, last night we saw history. Uh, all five starters had 15 or more and three made threes or more. Do you think this type of offense is sustainable for the Pacers all season long? I do, at least with the current personnel, because this is what Rick Carlisle wants. We knew this coming in a couple of years ago. He wants shooters, and that's why Buddy Heald make a lot of sense in that deal. And, and for right now where he's at, he's a big asset because he can knock down four threes per game. Um, so I, I don't see this as an anomaly. I don't see this as they're going out of their comfort zone or they're doing something different. This is the style in which Rick and this coaching staff is impressing upon their team to eventually become. Uh, now, if you, you move players or whatever, maybe that shakes it up a little bit in the long term. But 
ideally, this is uh, the more modern style of basketball that Kevin Pritchard in that front office also wanted. Uh, Nate Bjorkren, the offense was pretty good with him. They didn't have exactly the personnel. Rick Carlisle, I think, has taken it to an, uh, even a different level and doing different things. And again, more geared towards shooting. So I'm not surprised by this at all. Yeah, and I want to I want to talk a little bit more about scheme here because we knew we know last year that Lloyd Pierce was the defensive coordinator, and now it appears that Ronald Norhead has kind of been the defensive guy this season. So, when did that change take place, and what exactly do you think Norad maybe is doing a little bit different than what Pierce was doing last year? Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't. My understanding is Ron's been mostly in control of the defense the last couple of years. That was one talking point um, that Rick was asked about at practice today, but I haven't seen that. My understanding through all of this is Lloyd has been basically the assistant head coach. He has his hands in everything. He doesn't do the gamely scouts, right, where they rotate it between the assistant coaches, Jenny and Mike and Ron. My understanding has been, and this goes back to last season, was those three kind of formulate the game plan, set the scout, then take it to Lloyd, then they all go to Rick and, and kind of conduct it there. That's why um, you know Lloyd's been that top assistant both this year, last year. He's the one that takes over if Rick Smith misses any time. So I, I haven't seen any kind of significant change defensively or in terms of vocally of who's taking charge. I, I, I think maybe they've entrusted it entirely perhaps into Ron where Lloyd had some influence or offered suggestions, but I'm sure that's still going on right now. So I don't have a direct answer. I think to yeah. your question, you know, the, the big storyline going into last night's game was who is going to start. A lot of people assume maybe Bennett Matherin makes his first career start. Instead, it's actually Andrew Nemhard makes his first start Has a career game, 15 points, five assists. I, th I thought he played really well last night. Very efficient from the field. What was your initial reaction in Nemhard getting the start over Matherin? And maybe why do you think that happened? Yeah, I wasn't too surprised at all, mostly because, and, and this is something I've been saying, not them, is I prefer, at least with the current personnel, Matherin coming off the bench and being the featured guy. We see him, uh, and, and we saw him, I should say, and get some additional time with that starting group. And I think. I'd have to look at it analytically, but just off the eye test, it feels it reminds me a little bit of Brogdon and Halliburton last year, where he's not his true self talking about Halliburton with Brogdon, and he kind of was reserve and let the others do their thing. Whereas I think with that second unit with TJ, uh, with with um, you know Isaiah especially too, is they can run, they play a lot more free, they just attack more. That's where Matherin's at his best and getting to the free throw line, slowing the game down after playing fast. Um, so I actually prefer him, at least right now, being off the bench and, and Buddy Heald starting. So that said, I wasn't too surprised. And then the other thing in all that, and I learned this going back to when I started and covering uh, th this team and with Frank and everything, there's a lot to being settled into your role. And so, you know, if there's a if there's a change to the starting lineup, they don't want to disrupt two units. You don't want to, oftentimes coaches choose not to maybe promote the backup point guard to the you know second guard spot because then the first unit and second unit are thrown off. So if you start the third string point guard, get them in for a short stint, then they can kind of get back and everybody has that chemistry with their unit and such. No perfect answer to all that. I don't think there was an obvious choice, but I had no bones about it. Yeah, I think fans are just going to be disappointed until he starts because absolutely, they, and that's because it's it's a title thing, right? It's it's more than anything like 
we don't want to upset this guy. I've already got people asking me, like, are they trying to run Mathern out of town? I'm like, what are we talking huh? about? <laughs> I've had, God. I got that oh. question today on Twitter. I'm like, because he didn't start, we're, we're, we're trying to run him out of town. Like, what are we talking Joke. about? Like, yeah. just relax. It's not that big of a deal that he's not starting. I was a little bit surprised that Nimhard got to start over him. Not like completely surprised, but just like, okay, like, there we go again. Like, it, it makes sense to keep him in that role. Like you said, Scott, I completely understand that. But with that being said, Matherin has been playing out of his mind. I mean, last night, clearly his worst game of the season took him 10 games to finally not get double digits, right? Only Mm -hmm. had eight points, but still was effective in certain ways. And I actually thought when he passed the ball to Nimhard for the more wide open three, instead of taking it himself, that to me was a sign of maturity from a young player reading the game and making the right move instead of trying to look for his shot at that moment. So overall, your impressions of Benedict Matherin this season. I am pleasantly surprised at how how well he's able to get to the free throw line. The rest, not particularly surprising. But his ability to to get these free throws, I'm looking at his stats now. Miami game, 12 attempts. Uh, First Brooklyn game, 10 for 10. Chicago, 9 for 10. Pacers in general have never really had that type of player. Paul did it to an extent. I think he kind of averaged seven free throws per game. Sabonis deserved more trips to the free throw line. But bigs oftentimes, or bigger players, officials, I don't think in general, know how to officiate them. Uh, but but I, I love Matherin's um, fearlessness, his ability to just get to the paint, attack, and not, not excuse me, be worried about his matchup or anything like that. You mentioned how he had a, game, or a season low eight points. He also had a season low field goal attempts of eight. And all the rest of the games, he had attempted, what, at least 11 field goals. So... That's also a direct reflection, too, is I think he saw everybody else had it go in those other starters. He saw himself go one for six, and it's like, hey, it's not your night. That's fine. That's going to happen. So I'm impressed that you know he kind of took that. He didn't force it a little bit, even though maybe later on, if he is the guy, you do want that because you're going to win, win or lose without it. But this is it. Right now, this team doesn't have any star players, so it's all about the collective and collectively, not only did they get it done together? But to your point at the beginning about fans and the watchability of this team through the roof right now, it is so much fun. This morning I went back and watched last night's game talking about the new Orleans game. So many things beyond the numbers, the baskets, just guys running the floor, pick and roll sets, pick and pop guys, communicating, having fun, smiling, James Johnson, pulling Jalen Smith. I think it was aside and having a conversation. Those are the things so early in the season uh, that I think have gone favorable for the Pacers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Couldn't agree more. I, I tweeted out yesterday. It is impossible to not love the direction of this Pacers team right now. They're they're young. They're already ahead of schedule at this point. Mm-hmm. That being five and five, I, I read that the last time the Pacers were five hundred, it was February 26, twenty twenty. We quietly realized it's almost been three years. So right now, we we didn't expect this, but we love what we're seeing. And right now, you know, Rick even talked about even the players that weren't playing last night were contributing, just like you mentioned with James Johnson. But one big that I want to talk about, been a little bit hot and cold, had a really good game last night. 
Jalen Smith, what has been your your uh, perception of Jalen this year playing alongside Miles Turner? Yeah, I think he's rebounded very well. I think we kind of know what to expect from him from that standpoint. Good for probably seven, eight rebounds per game. I, I was not expecting him to rebound at that quite of level. Um, he's trying to be more physical with guys in the post a little bit. He's trying to defend more along the perimeter because when he's out there with Miles, Jalen's playing the four, whereas we saw uh, Isaiah for a little bit with Miles. And at that time, it was Isaiah getting the run at the five and Miles shifting to the four. But I think all of the bigs have had some really good, encouraging games. Um, and and Jalen was one of those last night. I think the biggest thing, if you can count on him knocking down a couple of threes, have, having a couple finishes at the basket each game, that's eight to 10 points. And then if he could give you seven to nine rebounds per game in a block, I think that's all you're asking for him. I mean, speaking of bigs that have had really impressive games, Daniel Tice has looked great over in his drip. I'm curious your thoughts on what the situation is with Daniel Tice. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, is this really a foot injury or is this just something they're just saying to keep him out because he won't be in the rotation? I'm just curious, like, obviously not the perfect fit here. We know that he's probably going to get moved at some point, but like, what's going on here? Yeah, it's not abundantly clear. But I think there's a variety of factors going on. For one, yeah, there is a very real injury. It was uh, during Eurobasket, and I believe it was knee sore. It's knee sore, and it's not ankle or foot. Um, I don't know what the status of that is or how serious or how painful um, any of that was. I haven't talked with him since training camp. Um, But I think, and I probably mentioned it the last time I was on your show, he was very shocked about the deal, loved the situation in Boston. Um, I think he ideally would end up back there. Um, but right now there's just one, he, he wants to make sure he's a hundred percent. And two, I think also like, where does he fit? Like, so also there's no rush to bring him back either. So, um, I kind of view him as out indefinitely and we'll get an update when the team provides one. Uh, I can tell you when we go to practice and things, um, usually he's not even around when we're there. But again, that's after practice. So guys could leave by then. They could be in the training room. So that's not exactly rare. However, a lot of guys generally stay after if they're practicing and shoot or play around the world, things like that. So um, I'm not even sure if he's participating in practice or to what extent. I do know in training camp he did some. And maybe right. that, that knee injury flared up a little bit. But he did some in training camp. I don't know what he's done since then. The guaranteed money, you know, after this year makes you feel like he could be a bit hard to move this season, especially if he's unable to get on the court. But, you know, one big you brought up earlier, James Johnson, we're starting to hear a lot of rave reviews about his veteran leadership. You know, how important do you think it was for this Pacers team to add a true veteran, given how young they are? Yeah, I thought it was critical, and I thought it was something long overdue. It was something that this the front office needed to do two and three years ago. Maybe that prevents the problems where the you know the front office has to go into the locker room, or Goga Bataze erupts on one of the assistant coaches, or you know there's just player frustration and, and turmoil within a little bit, and, and that goes last year, the year before that, all of that. I think you really needed that that veteran, that guy to speak up in the room. Brogdon was always a little bit fake, I thought, in that. like He talked about it being a leader, um, but I'm not necessarily sure he was. Miles, I think, has evolved more into leading by example than he is by his voice. Um, I think he also sees how that's more Tyrese right now and probably will eventually come Benedict to an extent, maybe in a few years. Uh, but I thought that was a great move for them. 
I can't speak to exactly what he's like in the locker room or what he's, you know, how he's influencing guys because I I can't see it. Um, But when we're talking to so many of these guys, they rave about what he's able to do, what he's, what kind of influence he's able to have. And then we also see it like the other night in New Orleans uh, against New Orleans. I rewound it and watched it back a couple times. It was a Jalen Smith, I think, uh, committed a foul or a turnover. He was, he was checked out of the game and, Right away, James Johnson put his arm around him and explained something for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, presumably, you know, what you could do better, how he'd handle that situation. And we see that a lot in practice as well, what we're able to see. Uh, like today, he was playing four on four in a group trying to get Aaron Neesmith back to playing again. And he was going against Goga and they were challenging one another and there was that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was in, in, integral for them to add someone like this and and james johnson obviously has that experience with rick as well which made it a perfect match i mean those are great observations scott i really appreciate that and i think that having a bet like that makes a lot of sense you know you need those kind of players especially on a young team like we have here in indiana so um one more bet i want to ask about is buddy heel and obviously we've seen him just be lights out over the last couple of weeks it feels like he's uh been fantastic in his role and I know that he's got two years left on his deal, uh, obviously this year and the next season, but um, his name's been involved in a lot of trade rumors, but I'm just curious, do the Pacers at all value him and maybe want to keep him long-term? I can definitely say they value him, love his game, uh, appreciate his passion for the game, his availability. He hadn't missed any games. I don't want to jinx him or anything, but uh, <laughs> he's been special. He, he pushes buttons in a good way with Tyrese. That is very fun to watch, both at practice and at games. Like there was a play against New Orleans where Tyrese, I think, got the steal, threw it ahead to Buddy. But how I read it was, um, t- t- uh, what was it? It was, but oh, Buddy thought Tyrese didn't throw it out so he could give him enough time to dunk it. And then there was another sequence, I think, where Buddy maybe got it in transition and took it off. No, no, I think I'm screwing this up. But it was one of them got the ball in transition a second time and didn't pass it, took it all the way all the way to the basket. Maybe it was Tyrese saying, you could hear him caught on the mic going, you selfish, you selfish. And that is purely in fun. Don't take it any other way. And I think <laughs> I think that has been a, a lot of fun for Buddy and Tyrese to battle, hold hold each other accountable, challenge each other from the three-point line, this little dunk contest they have uh, going on internally, which is a lot of fun. In terms of the future, I, I think a lot of that is, again, wait and see. Like yeah. We're 10 games in. Let's see where it's at 30 games in. Maybe there's still 500, but probably not. Um, it also, I think, depends a lot on what offers you're getting out there. They're not pushing to sell him. They're not urgent to get off of him. Um, however, to, to our the question earlier about Matherin, yeah, you would like to start him. And yeah, you maybe would like to get off of Heald's money, which is the most on the team, and turn that into a couple draft picks or turn that into a, a potential future all-star and a draft pick, and, you know, things like that. So I think that's what the front office has to consider. Uh, but they are in by no means disappointed, frustrated, or wanting to move from him. I think it's more speaks to the reality of the situation. And by the way, selfishly for Buddy, he wants to win. He's never played in a playoff game, and he's approaching 30 years old. So I can't blame him either because I'm, you know, who knows if th- this East and the way it's playing out, but going into this season, I saw the East as so much depth, and I'm not sure the Pacers could you know, be better than say 12th or 11th. And that might be the case for a couple of years. And I'm, I'm sure he's pushing towards, I want to make an impact. I want to maximize career and I want to play in the freaking playoffs for once. 
I wouldn't blame him at all because Buddy is such a fun player. And if the situation yes. was a little bit different, we'd be saying, man, this guy's perfect. But all of a sudden, you know, Matherin, maybe not trying to win as many games as previous years. It all has to play into it. And plus that future money that you mentioned. So definitely something to monitor. And schedule actually gets a little bit easier after some of the next few games. So that's going to complicate some things. But Scott, as we wrap up, tell everybody where they can find you out on social media and some of the awesome content that you have out there. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Fachi. Fachi. Hey, Fachi. you had it. You hey. Had it. There we go. I, I did it. I've been practicing all day. Love but um, yeah, good to be on with you guys once again. Uh, same old story for me. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Scott Agnes. And then big on my Substack fieldhousefiles.com, where I'm writing almost daily there. And uh, as we record this, by the time I try to wrap up the day, I'll have something about Miles Turner, not about his production as much as visually how he looked and his activity level, his engagement level. It might have been the most impressed I've been with Miles Turner all season, maybe all of his career. I, I agree with that, Scott. I mean, it, talking about that performance last night, I mean, he just looked like a man on a mission. And I don't know if it's uh, the new Miles Turner we can expect every game or if this is just contract your Miles Turner, but uh, he just seems to be playing with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. I don't know if you get the same vibes. That's what I'm feeling. I think it's just a comfort level and a, and a mission to not let – what happened the other night in Brooklyn repeat itself. Mm. He was so down on himself. You could see that visually. And how could you not be? Just a frustrating performance. Little things he did bad, more than just missing um, all of his threes and missing some bunnies around the basket. He turned it over four times and was benched at the end of the game, which some is, is a great thing. I actually wish more coaches would do that. It's less about benching and more about, hey, you're not, we, you don't have it tonight. Let's go somewhere else. And maybe he won't have it another night. But I think, if we can see more of this from Miles in terms of his, his leadership, him attacking the defense, knowing exactly. I think he's settled into the league now. He knows how defensive play, how, how co different coaches attack different things. And so against New Orleans, again, I go back to that because it's the most recent game. But so, so much early on, they were in drop coverage, so he was just settling at the three-point line. And guys, he didn't hesitate once. How many times do we see him do that games, right? A couple times each each game. Then in the fourth quarter, he was running pick and roll almost exclusively, getting a matchup, and then not just putting his hand up, he was waving it. Then he put his ass into the defense and demanding it. Like, I love that version of Miles and want to see mm -hmm. uh, more of it. And, you know, it's from all facets. And then even if you watch up closely in the pick and rolls, when he's he must have set 100 pick and rolls that game. It felt like it at least. And each time... Quietly, he would kind of put his right hand down, um, you know, where he was going. Just a small little indication to set Tyrese up for hopefully a successful play. I love the way Miles played the other night and told him about it today. Overall, I, I do think you can make an argument. It might have been the best performance of his career. I mean, in terms of uh, points, yes, it's second most in his career, most in the regular season. And also just he did it inside. He did mm -hmm. it outside. He did it defensively. Overall, mentally, I think he looked extremely sharp, looking to be aggressive, punish the defense right over there. That's the game that if Turner can do it consistently, then no one's going to have any comment at all other than amazing game. Like, I, I love it. So that's the performance we just need to see. Not even that consistently. You know, the last two games have been so good for Turner that that's what I love to see. Absolutely. Yeah. Again, it's it's less about the production. This is what I'm also emphasizing. Rick's Rick's all about it as well, which I laugh about. I, I think he's more about the team and 
and doesn't want people get up, get caught up in individual performances, whether it's Benedict, whether it's Tyrese or Buddy reps or threes or Miles goes for 37. He wants to, I think, emphasize how it's going to take everyone. Some guys are going to have bad nights. That's not an indictment of them or a guy's going to go off and, and, you know, it doesn't mean you got to keep feeding him. It means that's what worked that night. And for, on this night, not only was he able to produce, but I thought he did so many little things. Just the success he was able to have. Just watch the first two minutes of the game again. He got a rebound. He ran the floor. He pushed Valanch- uh, yeah, Valanchunas out to the baseline where he had to pass it. He turned it over. Zion, he pushed away from the basket. Like, I, I feel like I'm... You know, I'm raving about him because I am, but it was well-deserved from what, what Miles did the other night. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Scott Agnes. He's going to have a biography out eventually from Paul Boyd. <laughs> it's a beat writer. I'm oh, excited man. for it. No, I'm just kidding. Push and P featuring Miles Turner in his evolution from rookie to Turner's block. Oh, that's Pretty great. Good. I, I think you can do it, Scott. I don't, don't sell yourself short on that. But with that being said, Scott, thanks so much for joining us, and we will have you on later this season. But thank you once again. Appreciate All right. Appreciate you. being on with you guys. Thanks. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. There we go, Fachi. Scott Agnes once again joining us. Great insight there from Scott. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? I would just say I'm having a blast. I mean, the Pacers 5-5, five and five, I mentioned it, Alex. It's been almost three years since they've had a 500 record. I mean, whoa, where has time gone? So right over here, I I just feel like, hey, we might not be 500 all season. Let's enjoy it while it lasts. I know the next couple of games could be a little bit tough. Then the games get easier. So I'm prepared for anything could happen at any point because when the Pacers are shooting the ball like they are shooting it this season, anything can happen. And they are making it rain from three. I mean, think about this. Last night, I want to say it was uh, they had 22 made three-pointers, the second most ever by the Pacers. Trails only the 23 that they had on October 29th, roughly a week ago. How about that? How about that, Fachi? This team has been shooting lights out, and I think when they get hot, we talked about this, you know, when they're hot, they're going to be hard to beat. But when they have a shooting streak, they're going to be really uh, struggling to get some wins. So, Got some more competition coming up here. I know that they've got the Nuggets Wednesday. We will be in the building for that game. So if you haven't already heard in the last podcast, just a reminder, at halftime, we're going to be outside in the main concourse right next to Ben's Pretzels. We'll probably both be rocking our black setting the pay shirts. That's my guess. I don't know. But look for that. If not, you'll notice we'll be out there. And we would love to just interact with you guys, just get to know you. If you're a fan of the show, thank you so much. Introduce yourselves to us. Don't be afraid. We are excited for that. But with that being said, Fachi, let the people know where they can find us at on social media to hit us up so they can let us know they're in the building. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find us, you can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yes, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace, a Pacers podcast. Make sure you subscribe there. 
I will be getting out a blue and golden episode this week. I do apologize for the delay last week with me having strep throat. Just was not able to get that done. But, Bocci, if you're excited, the Pacers have won four of their last five games and are hoping to extend that winning percentage against the Denver Nuggets on Wednesday night, then say these three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com